our story began many ages ago, in a forgotten realm of magic and mystery. A wild, unruly land where wizards and warriors would risk all for adventure and enterprise. Quite unlike anything you've heard before, I'm sure. Sometime between the rise and fall of their great civilization, the unthinkable happened. Mortals misplaced their magic, trading the wonders of the natural world for an obsession with their own ingenuity. And to this end, they thrived. Cities flowered into floating metropolitan marvels that reached into the heavens. They began to harvest every resource from the slopes of the Palisades all the way to the shores of the Eastern Sea. They hoarded their treasures like the dragons of old, crafting technology with the power to rival any sorcery known to the material plane. They watched their empire as it sprawled out as far as the eye could see, until their thirst for progress could no longer be slaked by yet another city in the sky. They began to peer beyond their world, to imagine the mysteries lying in wait among the very stars themselves. Then came the wave and sent it all crashing down. Without technology, without infrastructure, they were utterly fractured. To survive, they had to leave the world they'd built behind and hold themselves up within the darkness of the planet, where they waited, all hope but a glimmer in their aging eyes. This isn't a story about leaving home behind. It's about finding one's way back. We find ourselves now on a small island in the Eastern Sea where dwell the last known vestiges of this once proud and prodigious civilization, a glimmer of hope and a dark age of uncertainty. Welcome to the city of Vesper. We're gonna start our journey in the lower commons. It's the middle ward of the city, characterized by more humble looking establishments. There are plenty of people who find it incredibly comforting, and it is their home, the only one they've ever known. For others, it's adopted, and one of those adoptive patrons is here now in a bar called The Catch. It's a little back burrow joint that uh, you might miss if you didn't know it was there, and it's actually so early in the morning, I'm sure any nearby residents wish they didn't know that it was there because it's full of sailors, 
up way too late or too early, depending on how you look at it. Just below this ward is what's called the burrows. And that's where the majority of the populace live. They aren't homes built of wood slats and metal and wrought iron, anything. They're literally homes carved out of this cliffside. Below that is what's called the break. And it sits on the water, sheltered from the open ocean of the fjord by a small stone wall that stops the waves from coming in. But there is open water here that if you were to swim down, you would find the village you're from. And of course, that's how you got into the city. Joshua, go ahead and describe what your character looks like. So sitting inside is a uh, relatively small, five, four, five, five humanoid male, uh, very light blue skin, very pale blue. You'll notice that his ears kind of come to a, a finned shape, as well as the backs of his uh, forearms and calves kind of seem to have some finned protrusions coming off of them. He has very almost glowing, dark blue, near purple eyes, hair pulled back in thick sea matted braids that fall down just past his shoulder. His hair kind of starts at a dark, almost black color and fades slowly to a light green, almost kelpish color. Across his torso, he wears just a single sash of hardened kelp and seaweed that's gone to like a brownish green. From it hang a few um, decorative shells and things from the bottom of the seafloor. Uh, he's covered in uh, light turquoise tattoo patterns of just different kind of stripes and angles and things like that, as well as uh, some tattooed rings around his arms that uh, range from like a turquoise to a light sea-colored blue. He has a little bit of uh, armoring in the sense of just some wrist guards and shin guards and things of the sort that seem to be made from dried kelp strung together with seaweed. There's uh, a few barnacles kind of lashed onto his shoulders and chest that seem to be not bothering him too much. Possibly they're there as an extra layer of protection or possibly just Poor hygiene. Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Um, <laughs> a little bit of scruff, and his fingernails are painted a like a deep, deep purple, almost black. Most of the people that are in this bar with you are probably just an hour or so from needing to be at a job site down below. It's that time when the drinking has subsided and most of these people, if they're not fast asleep where they're sitting, are attempting to sober up so they can get down to the break and get to work. But you don't have a job today. Your, your job is to be here. And you're not alone. Who are you with? I'm here with a, uh, a similarly blue-skinned aquatic humanoid creature. His hair is the same kind of dark black with a little bit of green, but instead of these long kind of sea matted braids, it's more close cropped and pulled back into a, like a tight ponytail. They're very clean shaven. They're wearing tighter, more um, direct clothing, whereas I'm just wearing a sash of kelp across my bare chest. They're, you know, fully buttoned up in what looks to be something made from like orca blubber or something of the sort, almost like a, somewhere between a, a suit jacket and a uh, wetsuit. <laughs> and uh, very dark, muted colors, clothing, and their face is just a lot more kind of stern and serious, whereas uh, I look a little bit more free-spirited. 
the barkeep is gathering up these stone flasks that everyone uh, drinks out of. And most of them are empty. Some of them are, are still half full. And uh, she kind of like shoves one of the patrons who's asleep off of the stool that they're on onto the floor and gives him a little kick and says, Carl, you have to be at work in literally 30 minutes. You need to get up, love. Walker here is the shining example. You can't hold your liquor. You don't need to come here all the time. It's called the catch, darling. And you are not it right now. And she's kind of like nudging this guy who's like crawling and pulling himself up. And he's just got a lot of scruff. And she looks over and says, love, we do appreciate you coming in. Sun's almost up, though. Well, I mean, that's the key word there, right? Sun's almost up. I feel like you just said 30 minutes till everyone has to be at work. 30 minutes is enough for a round, is it not? Right, gentlemen? Right? And it's just mostly moaning and snoring at this point. The smell of sweat has mingled with the salt that wafts up from the break below. And it's uh, it's not pleasant, but maybe it's something <laughs> to you that is kind of, you know, charming in a way, right? This is what, you know, uh, appeals to you about this place in some ways. Uh, but your companion is not impressed at all. And Thalen, <clears throat> sitting perfectly straight, having like sipped maybe one of these <laughs> ales that's distilled from like a, like a strong spirit or ale that's distilled from seaweed, right? That's like the primary thing that people drink around here. And maybe they call it, uh, oh, we need to think of a fun name for a, a seaweed drink. <laughs> My diet um, Dr. Kelp. <laughs> <laughs> diet Dr. Sales. Kelp is good. I was thinking something like slick. They call it slick. Oh, it's slick. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Fun. Yeah, I like slick. <laughs> she glances down and she says, fancy another drink, lad? And Thalen <clears throat> crosses his arms. And you can tell it's the only one he's had and he didn't <laughs> yeah. finish it probably. And he says, well, I, uh, I know I shouldn't, but... I slap him across the chest a little bit too hard and say, of course he wants another one and so do I. Let's go. Thalen, you never make it up here. You got to take advantage of the time that you're here, man. Come on. He looks over at you and says, you call that a slap? And hits you as hard <laughs> as he can, not getting that it's just a friendly little jab. And says, listen, I love seeing you. Honestly, I wish you would come down more. We're doing amazing things at the school. I mean, I know you don't like it around there, but I mean, we've got a whole new fresh batch of recruits and but you should see them with swords in their hand. I mean, you can tell he kind of feigns like a grab toward his hip and the sword that he would have carried is not there. You let him take your weapons every time you come up. I just, I don't get it. I don't get what you see in this place. You think you're ever gonna get over this phase? Uh, I'll get over it right around the time you take that massive stick out of your ass. <laughs> let me tell you, friend, if, if I didn't have a stick up my ass, they would have taken it at the door. <laughs> they will not let anything through those gates. They've actually tried it. They're very thorough. <laughs> a little too thorough, if you ask me. <sighs> Look, it's just down there, you know, it's, uh, it's so serious and for what? What are we training for every day? I mean, in case another pack of whales gets too close. I mean, it's a different world. It's a different time. And they're too stuck in the past, man. It's just, uh, maybe one day you'll come around to see my, my way of thinking. I genuinely hope that's the case. Because what I'm afraid is going to happen is there's going to come a day when we need to be ready. We need to be armed. And we won't all be. Because... Every day I look around and he glances across the room and sees one of the people sleeping is another Triton who's just blown off a couple of days of work just to like hang out here and party. Every time I come to visit you, I, I see more of our people here doing what? This place is just kind of almost a graveyard. I mean, it's the last efforts of a nation of people attempting to cling to what they had before. And I mean, we got to cling to what's ours. Ours, theirs, I mean... 
It's been, what, a hundred years since we started mingling with these folk? It's, <laughs> we share the same goddamn tunnels. I don't think there's an us or a them. I think uh, there's just the ones who take themselves way too seriously down there and the ones who can't hold their liquor up here. And I think the latter are more fun. Well, you have your fun. And he stands and slides the drink that he didn't <laughs> sip at all back toward you. And says, I hope you make it back home in one piece. And I hope that you'll think about resuming your training at some point because you're amazing, Walker. But you can never be too good. Just remember that. Well, I got to give you a chance to catch up. He kind of rolls his eyes and says, all right, you going to be back around today? You going to head back down? <sighs> I might see what's going on up here, but if nothing catches my interest, yeah, I'll be home. He kind of glances at a wall behind you and there is a poster for the Patron's Day Centennial Celebration. <sighs> Rolls his eyes and says, all right, see you in a week, I guess. Oh, that? I didn't even know. Was that, is that today? Yeah. I've never known you to resist a party, so. What a, what a crazy happenstance that I, I had no idea. Yeah, sure. Well, my friend, let me tell you this. Your family, they may not be around, but I am. Just don't forget that. You're never alone. And he kind of like brusquely doesn't wait for you to respond, just straightens his jacket, nods curtly to the barkeep and kind of stepping over <laughs> several of the now groggily waking themselves up patrons and uh, walks out and is gone. Just before the sun's rays peek over the hilltops of the nearby fjords, we kind of snake through what's called the commons, just a little bit off the beaten path is kind of an unassuming building. It's carved out of the stone cliffside, just like at anything else, but it has a nicer facade. And, and a lot of the materials used to create this facade seem like they were very intentionally and lovingly placed there. A sign hanging over the door says, the church of the second wave, all are welcome. And its doors are locked, but deep inside, there's someone already awake, already hard at work, PJ, why don't you go ahead and tell us what Leo looks like? So Leo is relatively tall, about six foot four, and skin or not, whatever whatever you want to call it, it is brown, orange, basically rust-colored, bald, wearing a light gray robe that has all kinds of little little things sticking out of it, Little pens and a magnifying glass and tape measures, all kinds of stuff. And he's standing in front of a workbench with several books all open and a variety of little objects that he's examining and referencing things in the book and just kind of flipping through, trying to figure out what's, go what's going on. Sort of hunched a little bit over this... Uh, workbench that's definitely made for somebody who's a little bit shorter than he is. You kind of absentmindedly reach for something nearby and you're not looking away from your work or what you're reading or writing, but you're reaching for something and a small machine, you know, built with some of the same parts that you were built with, but not really of the same level of sentience. Spider crawls like up over the edge of the workbench and grabs the pen or the, the, the parchment that you were reaching for and puts it in your hand. They've basically just become accustomed to finding the things that you're looking for most of the time. You said this place is a little too small for you and that's because you're of an origin that's quite unlike anyone else in this entire community. You might be the only forged being 
And that fact has not been lost on you because anytime you've left the church, you are always met with stares. And while there are those who are fond of you, there are quite a few who regard you with sort of a tenuous acceptance at best. They are a little uncertain of your place in the community. But within these walls, you're not uncertain at all. And you're broken from that focus by the sound of a bell. And it is uh, someone you know well calling you to speak to them. I'll make my way to wherever I know them to be. On your way out, you pass something resting. It's not on display. It's obviously some kind of relic or artifact. It's kind of in the private collection. It's something you've studied for a while. And it has kind of a mysterious origin to it. In the 80 plus years that your friend and his predecessor were curating this collection or doing their work, he had never been able to like identify what this thing is or what, it's, what, what, what purpose it has. Do you want to tell me what it looks like? So it is a clear crystal encasing an aquamarine fluid. So it's maybe about the size of a baseball, um, angular and completely clear, but there, there's this sloshing viscous aquamarine fluid inside of it and we have no idea what to make of it. You regard it for just a moment as you're walking out as the bell rings again and you make your way past some of the exhibits into a nearby uh, side room where the current curator of this museum, which it is called the Church of the Second Wave, but it should be noted that it looks and feels a lot more like a, a library or a museum. It's, it's a collection of artifacts that have some scientific importance to this world. And yet there are so few in this community who truly regard it with the respect that you do. Your friend, who is lying in bed, stares at you with a warm smile as you enter the room. Probably have to duck to get into the room, you know, and looks up and says, Ah, Leo, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm fine. I thought I might want a second breakfast, but I might be too early for that. How are you doing, my friend? A little nervous. I'm not going to lie. It's a big day. It's a very big day. It's a big day. And uh, I wish you were there with me. I wish you were coming. Mm, indeed. You see, I, I don't have the strength, Leo, but this is just the way things are. It saddens me that you will have to live another life beyond this one, but the one that I am living, and that I will not get to see the you that you become. Because <laughs> though your body does not grow, your mind, your mind is an incredible thing. And that and he gestures to the softly humming, you know, glowing stone that sits within your chest cavity, kind of like taps it very gently and says, that thing makes you incredibly special. You're the special one, though. You're the one, you're the one that makes me who I am. I would be nothing without you. And you know that. <laughs> kind of like puts like a little finger to his nose knowingly and smirks at you and says, enough, enough. You flatter me. I have given you a very essential quest, Leo. I know you're nervous, but you can handle it. And he like shakingly kind of reaches into like his breast pocket or like over to the side of his bed probably and pulls up uh, a stack of papers and reaches and hands them to you. Um, and they're pamphlets for the church. <laughs> and he says, you must hand these out at the festival. It will be the first time in so long that those from the higher wards will come down this far. 
we have a patron's day every year, but the centennial is so, so special. You must tell them about the discoveries we are making here. I know. So that they do not forget the work we are doing. I know. I know I do. I just, I'm worried they're not going to listen. I'm worried they're not going to let me approach them. And I, I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know what I'm going to say. We never really know what we'll say when opportunity comes, but trust in who you are. Believe in yourself, Leo. You are, as I said, one of a kind. And if that shines forth, you will attract those who see you for who you truly are. And the message of the church will be heard. I truly believe you can reach these people in a way that neither I nor any curator before me has ever been able to do. So, chin up, look alive, and I will take that second breakfast now. I will go make you your second breakfast. Oatmeal or uh, something a little bit more, I don't know, mm. real? I've been, I've been <laughs> squirreling away a, an apple for a special occasion. All right. And All right. Uh, you can find it in the cupboard uh, just behind the, the, the grains and the oats. Um, do fetch it. Slice okay. it up and we'll, we'll share it together. All right. Um, <laughs> Knowing that you don't eat. How long has he been storing this apple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> roll an investigation check. <laughs> I know I said we weren't really going to roll yet, but. Uh, what is my investigation? Oh, there it is. 19. Oh, nice. Um, you don't eat apples, but it's obvious to you that this apple, <laughs> it's aged terribly. It's uh, it's very mushy. Like, you could probably feed it to him and he wouldn't notice. But, like, you kind of hold it in your hand just a little too tight and it, like, crushes. I know how far LV's progressed. I'm just going to make it into some applesauce for him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> While you're doing that, the thoughts of what's coming later on in the day swirl around in your mind and and inevitably you're led back to some of the other work that you were doing there, struggling between wanting to complete Alvi's quest, but really just wanting to be left alone to your work because that's what a good curator does. We're going to move up a little bit to the bluffs, to a little villa. That is the home of someone far more fortunate than probably 90% of the population of this town. They have put themselves in a very good position to benefit from all of the hard work that this community does and to be very influential in guiding its future. That person isn't home right now, but their daughter is. The sun has just started to peek over the horizon and your villa faces the water. You can see not only the fjord that your city is built on, but you can kind of see from your vantage point up on the bluffs how it kind of snakes to the left a little bit and curves around and connects with another fjord and kind of splits off into multiple ones down to like the open ocean, maybe a mile or so beyond that. And you're up at the crack of dawn practicing. You're working on your archery skills and you're standing kind of in an open courtyard and sitting nearby under an awning is uh, a woman kind of sitting in the shade, you know, fanning herself already in the early hours of the morning and watching you as you practice. Leslie, why don't you tell us what you look like? All right. My character, Elanil, or Ella for short, is, I would say about 5'7", 
in height, fair skin, long blonde hair with some braids coming along the side, maybe meeting to a half ponytail in the back with some red ribbons interlaced throughout. She has almost like a tan canvas material button-up shirt all the way to the top with some basic leather shoulder pads and maybe like a brown leather corset. She has arm bracers as well as the archer glove to protect her fingers. She has a dark maroon skirt. It allows the legs to come through, so it has the middle panel and then the sides stringed together by cord. She has dark black pants underneath, brown tall boots, and hazel eyes. What does your bow look like? It's a long bow, a dark brown, not quite as like a, a common, like everywhere you would see long bow, just like in, in a basic shop. It's a little bit higher end. It has just little intricate details, nothing like gold or anything on it. It's just a little bit more intricately made. Maybe it was a gift. It was almost certainly a gift. It is incredibly uncommon to see anyone with a weapon in Vesper because the city is at peace. There's no conflict with the Tritons. There's no danger consistently attacking your gates from across the island or the wilds beyond. There's really no reason for a commoner to have any kind of weapon, but your family's a little better off. You live up on the surface and you've never wanted for anything really your entire life. Elves in this world don't live as long as maybe they did in ancient times, but your family has been around long enough to see this community grow from its very inception. And so the Valens are highly respected here. In fact, your father is a member of the council that guides the town. And so for you to have something like this is totally acceptable. Anyone who might question it would turn a blind eye and what's more, you're actually shooting right now under the tutelage of a mentor who happens to be a member of the scouts who effectively operate as the first line of defense for the city. They live on the surface as well. They are part of the original founders of this town. And most of them are rangers and to some degree have spent their lives training in things like archery and searching the land, uh, the wilds, and, and traveling into the unknown to sort of discern what threats they should be wary of. Your instructor, Inyara, sits off to the side just a little bit. Why don't you um, give me a ranged attack with your longbow? I unequipped it. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, di I, I didn't think about that when I told you to do that earlier. It's okay. Oh, are we using dice, by the way? I wasn't sure. Or yeah, using yeah, this totally. Okay. No, you can totally use physical dice. I like the sound it makes. Okay, cool. That is a yeah. 21 to hit. An arrow that's crafted as beautifully as the bow itself flies across the courtyard to hit a target square on right next to the arrow you just shot right before that. And you kind of like stand, maybe a little proud of yourself. Maybe it's you know, second nature for you by now, so it's no big deal. But Inyara says, she does a kind of a little golf clap. You just hear her in the background, she goes, ah, Ella, Ella, Ella. And she beckons for you to come over and, and sit next to her. Please, please, that's enough training for this morning. Come, come. I skip over excitedly. Do you want to describe what uh, you think Inyara looks like? You know, I haven't put thought into it, but... Uh... You might be able to do a better description. 
Okay. Did I think the, from the vibe that you kind of told me, right? I imagine she is well past the point of being able to teach you a lot. <laughs> she has been teaching you since you were very young. And at this point, it doesn't have that much to impart, but she continues to watch you practice anyway, <laughs> even though she's not really offering any kind of constructive criticism. Um, and she gestures for you to sit next to her. And when you do, you even sitting, you're like taller than she is because she's kind of hunched over and she wears this long flowing dress that is maybe made up of multiple pieces. Like it might also be a blouse and a skirt, but it's hard to tell because it's just kind of like layers of fabric that kind of like flow over her, hiding how small her frame might be under all of that. And she wears kind of a wide brimmed hat that sort of droops over her face. And she pulls it back a little bit and she peers up at you with even for her age, these vibrant green eyes flecked with gold. And uh, she's a fellow wood elf. And she stares up at you and says, Precious darling, I so wish that I could teach you more, but alas, I'm not going to be able to do any better than you're already doing yourself. So I thought perhaps I might just tell you a story instead, something to inspire you on this patron's day. And she kind of rolls her eyes when she says Patron's Day. <laughs> My eyes just light up. Oh, you know I love your stories. I would love to hear one. She takes a deep breath and... Ella, you know that I was alive at the end of the war, yes? Right. I know we don't talk about the war. I know that it is frowned upon. But since we are alone and I can count on you to use your discretion. There's something you should know. This war that set the tone for the decades now of progress and productivity we've had wasn't a simple misunderstanding. It was more than that. The event they call the second wave, there was something about the way people changed when the darkness overtook our hearts. Most of the scouts at that time believed that we should flee. We should go back to ground. We should find a place to hide away. And against the wishes of my enclave, I took it upon myself to set out on a mission across the bridge through the wilds and push on even through the darkness that enveloped my heart to push on to the city. And when I reached the darkest part, I discovered there was a way through. And on the other side, I believe, I can't say for sure, but I believe that there is hope beyond it. Whatever this wave is, whatever this energy that emanates from the north, from the dead city of Kana, it's masking something else. And if there's a way through, then I believe there is perhaps more to our civilization beyond it. I took my findings before the council and they silenced me. I've held on to this knowledge for a long time, but I hope you know that you can't always take the Founder's word at face value. There is more to this world than they will have you believe, and we may not be the last. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, child? I, I think so. Did you want me to... Are you sending me out to try and find a way through and bring more civilizations to our town? Do you know why they call the city Vesper? No. It's named after the evening star, the first light that you see in the night sky. It is a glimmer of hope, but where there is one light, there are others bound to be. I think you should not bring 
hope back to us, I think you should take our hope to others. Most people are not permitted to leave the city, of course, but if you complete your training and you are given a mission, I believe you should look for an opportunity to see if what I found still holds true to this day. I will. Thank you for telling me this story. It must have been a lot to hold on to that for so long. You can actually sense that there's like a weight shifted from her shoulders. She says, that's enough of story time. And she again rolls her eyes when she says, it is patron's day and I'm sure your father has something planned for you. So best be on with it then. I suppose so. Make sure you get in and stay safe, stay warm. She like bundles herself up, even though it's not really that cold out. And she's just like kind of pulls her shawl around her a little tighter. And she says, darling, I'm always warm. Don't you know? Just then, you hear bells ringing. Across the divide that leads down into the city, there are bells in a tower just across the way at the Institute of the Future. It looks very much like what you'd expect from a cloistered abbey, although it is much larger. It's like kind of a stark white, stony exterior. They've used the best resources for themselves. The tiling on the roofs around the cloister are very ornate and lovingly crafted and put together. But we move past that into the bell tower and we see someone hard at work ringing the bells for the city to wake up. Crossland, what do they look like? The future is kind of a younger member of the future, probably in their early 20s. And herein, the future as a group should probably be referred to as the Institute of the Future, just to not extra confuse. Uh, But the future, the character that I play, is obviously this religious sect, and they are a member that has this shock of glacial white hair, chin length with deep, empty gray eyes. At six feet tall, they're slight, but they've got a muscular build kind of with delicate features. They're wearing a simple gray and tan smock, similar to a gi, but despite their appearance, obviously, they're high status in society. They're at the very top of this pyramid, so they hold themselves very proudly and stand tall. Despite the labor of ringing the bell, this is a service that needs to be done, and you can see that in their actions. The Institute of the Future also only has one speaker at a time at any event, and otherwise they close their mouth with a cloth unless they're either speaking or being spoken to to respond, and so that cloth is over top of their mouth. You ring the bells and glance over your shoulders. You can see the entirety of the bluffs, the highest ward in the city. You see the Builder's Guild Hall, and you see their homes that are very uh, beautiful and sprawling across the hillside here overlooking the fjords. And you see to your right a little bit the rest of the institute, and it's just like open courtyards. Down below, maybe you have like flowering fruit trees in the courtyard and things that just like no one on the lower uh, wards has seen ever because they've never been up here and they don't even realize or know that there are flowering fruit trees on the surface and they've been carefully cultivated over generations to like exist here in the kind of like salty sea breeze that blows over the edge of the fjords. The builder's ward is kind of like to the north across the chasm there and then like maybe to the left back toward the west is a row of kind of low unassuming homes that make up the scouts. They live and they kind of work nearest the wall that was built between the city and the other side of the island, wherein there's like a road that leads through a valley down to where the bridge that connects this island to the mainland exists. And the scouts do their work by basically keeping the city safe from any perceived threats, of which there have been none in many, many years. So it's almost tradition more than anything to give them some sense of purpose. 
You see now as you look down that there are two members of the future that are walking across the courtyard toward where you'll eventually exit the bell tower, and you know that you must go down to meet them. I head down excitedly, thinking about an apple that I really want badly off of one of those trees. I'm I'm staring at the trees the whole time that I'm ringing the bell, thinking about the next time that I might get to bite into that fruit flesh. So the future's got a real thing for apples then, huh? Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) All right. You you make your way down and you walk across and of course they meet you and they don't ever meet your gaze. They always walk side by side and you kind of like got this rhythm down. You know, like they're walking and they'll meet you, but they'll turn along a path and you'll turn and you won't look at each other. You'll just walk side by side. And once you're walking like in a trio, the one in front pulls down the cloth over their lips and says, The festival is set to begin in a few short hours. We should not delay. These are, after all, our first words in the city, are they not? And puts their cloth back over their mouth, speaking in third person, of course, maybe referencing you, but speaking almost as if they're speaking about themselves. Yeah, the the future is very excited, visibly excited about this opportunity because being the mouthpiece is a knowingly big deal. And so they shake their head enthusiastically and kind of pull down for the first time in maybe years their mouthpiece and, and say, yes, and I cannot wait to tell everyone what is. Kana sees, but we know. You speak, and when you finish, your excitement is... a. Palpable, right? Um, you're mm-hmm. attempting to remain calm, but like you're obviously very excited. However, they both stop where they're standing and they don't acknowledge one another or look at you, but they turn, pull the cloth down, and say, Kind of sees, we are the future. And we is all we will ever be. And you know this to be an admonishment for the fact you used the word I when you spoke. We are sorry. That won't happen again. We know. Hello and well met, friend. It is I, Mathar, your friendly neighborhood DM, here with a few quick announcements to cleanse your palate after all that tasty lore you just heard. It has come to my attention that not everyone listening is familiar with the concept of an actual play series, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a group of folks sitting around and actually playing a game for entertainment. The game we're playing is called Dungeons & Dragons, and we're using the 5th edition rule set, which means there's been at least four sets of rules before it. Actually, there's way more. It's really complicated. But what's important is that very little of what you'll hear on this show is scripted. We start every session with a loose story thread and improvise what happens from there. And when the improv isn't enough, we roll dice, do a little light math, and uh, find out what happens. As you can imagine, it is predictably unpredictable. Get ready for some very stupid shit, because literally none of us know what the hell we're doing. Of course, if you happen to be a veteran connoisseur of the actual play genre, well, prepare to be thoroughly whelmed, my friend. We know there are a lot of tabletop role-playing shows out there, and let me tell you, this is one of them. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, let's get back to the show. What if I just like totally shifted my vibe like right now? Like the eve of the festival is here and it has, arri- <laughs> it has arrived and looking around the minstrels are dancing and playing the pan flutes. I kind of like it more actually. Can you uh, <laughs> just do a, that all the time? Is it too late? Just a post edit. And right here is where Mathar had a glass of wine. And then we and I had my second glass of wine. I have you know. <laughs> 
was the name of the beer again? It was. Um, uh, we called it oh, slick. Uh, slick, slick, slick. Yes, but but yeah, I right mean that was just a spur of the moment thing. If anybody can think of a better name for seasonal is good for kelp beer. Yeah, I love that. Like you just know it's like salty which you don't want yeah. you know it's like so <laughs> salty <laughs> by the way i did some googling and there you can make a lot of shit out of seaweed you, you yeah, no. know um, there's a lot of stuff you can make so with it. like all of my outfit is seaweed leather because that's how like doc martens makes their vegan shoes and shit really? so yeah. between squid ink whale blubber and kelp i'm pretty sure we can make anything down there so in my head now though uh walker is absolutely wearing doc martens <laughs> but no soul they don't have a soul they just, just barefoot but like just the just the tag just, just the, the top tag like <laughs> he likes to get fitted that's the thing yeah. it's like <laughs> it gotta says, look great up here with these normies it says water walk instead of air walk <laughs> <laughs> Well, we found our bonus box. It's canon. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, hey, so Doc Sweet. Martens, if you're listening, I'd love to do a collab. Get at us. <laughs> Get at us. <laughs> Fuck, I have All to right. DM the rest of the session. Okay. Yep. Good luck. <clears throat> Straight face. Serious. DM. Uh, face. Face. We pick up later in the day, maybe mid-afternoon. The celebration is going strong. Nobody really worked today for the most part. I know some of the dock workers had to be down there because we established that earlier. But for the most part, people are taking an early afternoon and they're already hard at work on their second, maybe third glass of the slick. And at any given point, you can run into just hundreds if not thousands of people milling about in the commons. It's never quite this packed, but given that this is a very special occasion and an excuse to day drink, it is just extremely lively and you have to kind of like push your way through the crowd. And again, that smell of sweat and salt, uh, sea air all mingles together. And it gives this district like a very, have any of you ever been to um, New Orleans on like Bourbon Street? You know how it has like, not a great smell, but one that you're like, oh, I'll remember that. Kind of like San you know, Francisco like, too has like it, it, a little it like smells San Francisco. like something for sure. It's got a taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, salty. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, you can taste it almost as much as you can smell it, and it's interesting to see now because not only I, I, this is a young society, a young city, and vendors do take some kind of currency. Mostly, they deal in trade, mostly bartering and favors. But right now it's interesting because there are people from the Slats, which is the more fluent ward just above the commons, and the boroughs, which is just below. And they're all just kind of like intermingling here and, and you can't really tell them apart, which reminds you that this society is so young, a lot of these people might have been somebody else like in another life, right? Their parents or wherever they came from before this could have totally been anybody. And yet in this sort of Lord of the Flies kind of situation <laughs> that they find themselves in, yet more civilized. It seems to be all about personality and all about who you know. Really, that's what this whole city's about. But right now, people are letting down their guard, they're getting drunk, 
and they're just reminded that they are all one big community and they all built this place together. So as you would make your way through the crowds, you'd eventually come to a almost sheer cliff face that kind of leads down to the break below the open, think of like a little triangle of ocean water that is barricaded from the open fjord that glimmers back up from the very late afternoon sunlight below. And as you kind of look down from the commons, which is in the very middle, you'd see crisscrossing roped bridges like kind of connecting across the chasm. So the entire lower wards, they span the north and the south sides of the chasm, but they're connected by these weird little zigzagging bridges and ledges and things that people have to kind of scamper across. But here in the common ward, it is really ornate. It is that sort of public park that the city really wants you to know. They like put a lot of effort into. And so you've got these nice, very beautiful bridges that are constructed from these stones and thick hemp and rope made from like really strong seaweed pieces that have these hand carved wood slats that go across and they're kind of like very well varnished. And this is like what the city wants to see as its gift to everyone. We all get to enjoy this common area, even though your homes are these hovels down below, you get to enjoy the space with us. And these really beautiful bridges, there's four of them that stretch from the common ward on either side and they connect in the middle to a pentagonal shaped plaza suspended above the water. And there is a statue of each founder or the idealized version of that founder carved on each corner of that stone plaza that is suspended in midair between. And right now, there are some council members making their way out to the plaza to maybe get ready for some big speech that they have to give in front of like the entire population of the city, most of whom are hanging over the edges of their little like, have you ever been to San Francisco and you've seen like construction up the side of a building? It's kind of like that, right? Like it's just this lattice work construction and homes and things that are built all zigzagging all up and down the side of the cliff. And people are just hanging on the edges, right? Probably too many. In fact, they have to like always make sure that things are up to code right before like a big festival like this. It is the most energy you might ever feel in this city at one time. Let's start back at the beginning. Josh, what the hell's Walker up to? Walker's kind of making his way through the crowd. Um, Walker doesn't actually have anything with him other than his clothes at this point. So he's kind of scanning and he's looking for like an empty cup that's been set aside and kind of discarded or forgotten about. And if he finds one, he'll swipe it. And then he's just <laughs> uh, shuffling through and waiting for people to set down their glass of swill. And he's just going to pour a little into his and then keep walking. And if he does this enough times, he'll get a glass of swill. Or uh, slick, sorry, slick. You can think about it both ways. Yeah, you know, slick is swill. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's your <laughs> passive perception? Passive perception. It's, it's medium. It's 11. An 11. Let's, uh, let's, you know, you're looking around, you're looking around, you're looking around. About a third of the time you're getting lucky. You'll like spot something and you're like, oh, I could probably snag that. And then like someone shoves in front of you and you kind of have to reach around and then it's gone. It got knocked over the edge or somebody swiped it or something like that. But you end up with at least one good glass. I think at a certain point he gets a little, yeah, this isn't working. So he'll just um, try and like drum up a bit of a crowd. Ow. Uh, he's just going to bump into one guy and be like, hey, you want to start a fighting ring? All right, let's go. Hey, everybody, this guy right here, this fellow right here, he thinks he can take me in a fight. Do you think he can take me in a fight? Hey, come up here and bet one glass. One glass is slick if you think he can beat me in a fight. If he can't beat me in a fight, you got to give me a glass of slick. 
the guy that you bump into, he's got an incredibly high charisma too. And he, he just kind of like, uh, you hit him and he kind of jerks to the side a little bit. And you look at him and you're like, hey, you want to start a fight? And you feel a hand just grip your like seaweed, like, uh, what, what do you say? You had kind of like a- Yeah, it's um, like a sash. Some sash like or something a, yeah. goes across. Yeah, he grabs it and pulls you close to him. And it's not until you're very close that you realize it's a woman. <laughs> She's like <laughs> incredibly tall and strong. And she says- Oh, fuck yeah. And like hurls you. Uh, she's going to do like an unarmed, uh, basically like a shove. Yeah. So this will just be a strength contest. Um, um, a dex fighter. Oh, no. Let's and she'll the nat 20. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I guess Wait, I'll... Ran- <laughs> Roll it. We'll see how quick no. you are. Uh, strength, you said? Uh, you could save. You could save dex or strength. Okay. Because this is like a grapple contest. She's okay. holding you. Um save or acrobatics sorry i'm just uh, acrobatics oh. yeah sorry Acrobat- yeah. okay cool uh then that's uh 16 plus 5 so it's 21 okay so the nat 20 like is like it's an a automatic 20. success like she pushes you really really hard however a normal person would have gotten thrown back across and you kind of just like kind of tuck and roll and like land on your feet and are just kind of ready to go uh, and she starts cracking her knuckles and she immediately just like lumbers across this like fight circle toward you um so i'm gonna i don't know how the fight's gonna go but my thought here is i'm gonna try and put on the best show I can that I'm really trying to win this fight. I assume people are going to come up and start, yeah, and cheering and like maybe setting their drinks down. Mm-hmm. My goal is to just get a full glass and then stealth out of here. All right. Give me a performance <laughs> check. Man, level one stats. They're wild. Right? Yeah, I'm staring at like, my charisma oh, right now. <laughs> so, oh, so that's terrible. Like, what's that? What's that say right there? Is that a nat 20? That's a natural 20. 20. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Two to start the game. That's the first player role nat 20 of the game. Um, I can't believe the first nat 20 of the game was an NPC. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized that the first role of the game was a natural 20. If you, no, wait, there was a role earlier for- Leslie. Uh, yeah, Leslie. And then my perception. Sorry. That's right. It's, well, no, mine was passive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Uh, your performance is incredible. But what happens is like you notice that people are- kind of getting the gist that you know this person and that you guys are putting on a show and because like the other person is not very like performing where they're like yeah I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you and they make a really slow uh, like a punch and you have a beautiful like step to the left and you kind of bob and weave and it's just obvious that this person is like really phoning it in and somebody says I they're trying to pull one over on us. And you hear somebody in the community and they're like, fuck, get him!" And like you grab whatever ale you can and like take <laughs> off. And the two of you both like have your hands full of ale that people set down and maybe some coin and you're like ducking through the crowd. And she turns back over to you and says, hey, Walker, did I do a good job? I've, uh, I've never done that before, but I know you said it might happen. I, I'm, did I make you proud? I assume I know her name, right? Uh, yeah, we'll say her name is, um, I have a huge list of names here, so. Hell yeah. One sec. I didn't actually need a name. I just want to make you come up with a name on the spot. Yeah, I, I fucking get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, name ideas. What is D&D if not making <laughs> your DM come up with shit <laughs> that you know they uh, don't have? <laughs> her name is Tiona. Tiona, my darling. 
never been more proud. And I'm going to like, as we're running, like grab her hand, kiss her on the hand, and then just uh, give her a punch on the arm and then try and like split off. So we're going different ways. Okay. She turns and she's not very bright. And she kind of like turns and walks into like a crowd that was looking for her. Like (laughs) who goes the wrong direction. And you hear people were like, oh, there she is. She's the big one. Get her. She's got a coin. slick. You know, you can hear him shouting in the background. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) you just split away. And, um, you make your way along kind of like a little narrow like stretch of uh, burrows and eventually come out next to a little bar called the Kelpie's Keep. Kelpie's Keep. Most people just call it Kelpie's. Looking inside, you see um, a woman, a wood elven woman. (laughs) Although she doesn't really look familiar. What does she look like now? All right. She's basically wearing the same thing. The only thing that would be different is that she has this hood that you can take on and off pretty easily. It just sits like on your shoulders in a, in a diamond um, with the hood going over. So always wearing the hood, kind of trying to lay low all the time. And her hair is in tight braids circular on the back of her head. Of course, you can't see that under the hood. And that's like a more commoner type of hairstyle. Like maybe yeah. her normal hairstyle is a little bit more elegant. You take more time to prepare it. Common folk tend to put their hair up in a very efficient, economical fashion, right? Just tie it in a braid, put it back because you got to get to work. And, and, and so you kind of fit in a little bit more that way. Yeah. When she's out at a bar or where she loves to hang out, she does maybe alter the way she speaks because I'm sure there's a dialect in a certain group of builders. Mm-hmm. Um, so she maybe talks a little more like the common folk around her, tries to be a little bit more friendly doesn't want to like make herself stand out too much though is this where she calls herself ella or is there like another name that she uses let's say in the area down here she'll go by nilly nilly i like it as you're walking by walker you hear someone say oh nilly Pass me them uh, chips over there on the end of the counter. And of course, they're seaweed chips. <laughs> I'm just, I've had too many slicks today. They're just like basically handing them out. And there's just like kind of a, a very gruff, skinny looking uh, individual sitting across the bar from you, gesturing toward a bowl of chips. <laughs> you can't grab them yourself, mate. And I kind of toss it at him. And they kind of slide down the bar and it was like a perfect toss. And they're so drunk, they kind of like reach a little slow and hit the edge of the bowl and it flips up and the chips fly on. And everybody just goes like, high tide. (laughs) High tide is great. (laughs) High tide. And they they scream high tide and the chips fly through the air and clatter across the floor. And um, the, the person who was gesturing to you drunkenly slides off the end of their bar stool. And turning your head, you see this uh, triton stride into the bar holding six flagons of <laughs> ale like in their arms. I feel like Walker would kind of start walking past and then do like a turn to the profile and like got slightly past Nilly. Be like, oh, mm-hmm. what's going on here? And then like back it up and then <laughs> slide in across the bar, hold out three of my six flagons, slide them towards her. Well, hello there. I don't oh. know if I've seen you around here. <laughs> Well, so you're Sharon. Thank you. And I definitely grabbed them all. (laughs) Are you new here? Well, new here, new there, new everywhere, honey. (laughs) Rolls eyes. (laughs) Well, anyway, nice talking. And I kind of... Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) How are you uh, enjoying uh, (laughs) P-Day? Patrons, whatever you have it. (laughs) Celebration of the 
existence. We cannot of call it P Day, but that's stuff. <laughs> oh, more or less the same. Couple drunkards, but more than usual. But all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funnish. It's goodish. It's you could have more good fun uh, anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? don't even know how to respond. <laughs> is it too early for an X card? I feel like you guys need to get a room. Like, I, Joshua. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to hit on all of no you when I meet you, too. Your You're just the first character I met. Know that it's none of you are safe. Oh, God. I would never have made that joke if you weren't married. I, I'm like, no, I'm just literally getting like sweaty over here watching you guys flirt. It's great. Definitely hit on the robot, please. <laughs> exactly like what happens when Steven me and Leslie here. flirt. I'm like, hey, what's In up? He's like, go away. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the two of you, yeah. we'll, we'll say you guys converse for a while. And then eventually it's getting close to the time where they're going to do the big speech. And of course, people start to push outside. Someone's going to make an announcement and and really kick off. This is like the pre-party. I just want to make that very clear. Like as drunk as, and, and wild as everyone is, it hasn't even gotten dark yet. So like before the sun goes down, they will make a speech in the plaza and then the party will really get started. And it lasts about a week. And oh. so- it is like day one it's of week. this, like, it is P-Week, absolutely. <laughs> um, but as you guys are kind of leaving to push out, you see a hulking figure kind of moving awkwardly between a large opening that leads out into the viewing area of the commons that is a little more open and spacious, where you're not in like little tunnels and burrows, but you can see everything across and you can see folk gathered in the middle of the plaza. And there's just like a hulking figure made of metal and other parts seems to be soliciting some kind of business or, or, or you know, uh, pandering to people, kind of walking up and uh, handing them pamphlets and tapping them on the shoulder and just making conversation with people who are far too drunk to appreciate anything they have to say. Leo, you're standing here trying to get anyone to pay attention to you and you just so happen to kind of bump into a triton and what seems to be an elven woman both maybe a little drunk, casually making their way along, and and you get a chance to make your pitch. Okay, I will say, um, throughout this entire thing, Leo is doing his best to stifle a full-blown panic attack. He <laughs> does not feel comfortable with all these people around here. But uh, given that, hi. Do, do, do you guys like... Our city? We, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Big boy. All right. History uh, here, and um, I'd you love sure for you do. to learn more about it. And I have bits grab a couple pamphlets and, like, scramble over and give them to uh, to our friends here. Um, pamphlets. All right. So I, I'm, I'm here from the Church of the Second Wave. We're uh, right oh. up, right up over there. I don't know where it is. It's <laughs> up over there is perfectly over acceptable. There. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's right. <laughs> yeah, we, we that have is right. A, a whole lot of of just awesome, awesome, really cool, really interesting things that our town was built on, and I'd love for you to come sort of in, enjoy it with us. Well, if they're awesome things that this great town was built on then uh anytime honey 
Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about the pamphlet, and uh, I kind of switch accents. Not intentional. I'm just not good at accents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at being incognito. I will like, attempt oh, to well, hide my thank disappointment. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really excited to see this. I, I love seeing this, uh, like everything from the top to the bottom of our town. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah we've been uh, we've been here since since the start. So, I mean, if you right right here, there's something that basically started this whole town stuff like that if you want to see more of it you can i'll show you what no, say right I'm, here i'm pointing at my chest okay uh, what's on your chest it's the Im- it's the soul the stone soul stone thing or the, yeah, the okay. big stone that yeah how, how does it look on your chest like what do they see so it was originally part of an amulet it's a large metal gem stone that i have basically just kind of burrowed halfway into my the center of my chest. And to be explicit, what you see is that this is a person who was built to contain this, right? So it looks very, even though the, the container for like the gemstone itself, it's like metal and maybe gemstone like buried together in some like ancient artifact, it looks like the cavity in this person's chest was designed specifically to hold this thing. So it's very intentionally embedded in there, right? Um, and it, I imagine it almost like kind of resembles like a sacred heart in a weird way. <laughs> like right. if anybody's Catholic, you know, the idea of something sort of like really beautiful, like embedded into your chest. It could also be like, like if someone was to show off like a tattoo that they have like over their chest, it's like something you just kind of showed off very, very proudly. And to the average person, maybe there's someone else that like you had met just briefly before and you told them about it. And they were kind of like, ew. Like, totally thrown off by you just burying your chest and showing this gem. Not everyone gets it. Maybe that's what's kind of put you on edge, is people don't seem to really fully understand, like, how cool this is. Yeah, I imagine some people are pretty off-put by bits shambling towards them as well. Um, yeah. But I still do. It's just habit. He does, he, he does everything for me. How big is he? Does he, like, sit on your shoulder? Like, what's his uh, general... Yeah, probably about head-sized. Okay, I, I'm imagining like a like a large tomato can, like you, you know those like big, yeah, <laughs> the big cans of tomatoes. Like I'm uh, the San Marino tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. <sighs> and, Flashbacks and, to when I worked in a pizza place. <laughs> I love that. And and you're like you're like at least uh, seven feet tall, right? Like you're pretty big. I think I said six four before, but I think probably bigger. Yeah, probably seven seven or above. Yeah. The three of you are now standing here kind of awkwardly exchanging information <laughs> about a museum. Yeah, and I, I imagine this is not what LV had in mind for me when I when they, like, had me come down here. Not at all. I am not doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, like, set up a table. You got to get close. Like, like tell him who you are. Get close to, the like, the plaza. Like, you really want, like, people who are kind of milling about, not people who are drunk. You're, like, way too close to the bars to, like, be doing I, this. I imagine my goal is probably to find benefactors. Yeah. Not just visitors of the museum. No, 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 no. You definitely want people to know that, like, this museum is happening. However, by happenstance, sheer dumb luck, you happened upon somebody who's taken great interest in the work that you're doing and is thrilled to receive your pamphlet, and she just so happens to have a little bit of a... Roll a history check for me, PJ. Or should I say Leo? I'm going to have to see your name many, many, many times, so I remember. Fourteen. You recognize the shift when this person you handed the pamphlet to drops their accent. You recognize it as upper class kind of uh, lingo or way of speaking. She sounds like uh, somebody who's from the surface. And I think that'd be obvious to you as soon as she drops the facade. 
so I, I will completely ignore Walker at that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we are we are a group of of um, I, I say group. It's just me and one other person. But um, we we are curators of artifacts from the town, and um, everybody's welcome to come and visit and and really learn. Um, but we're also happy to accept any sort of uh, any sort of donation or fund to uh, to perpetuate our our work. Um, so if you happen to know anybody that might uh, might be interested in something like that, I, I really encourage you to uh, let them know about it. Wow, thank you so much for this pamphlet. Um, I might know, like I'm a little bit hushed now, so Walker is not like, hopefully not like honing in about my accents or anything, but um, I, I might know of some stuff like where I'm from, so... I'll, I'll ask around, see if anybody's interested in, you know, coming down and maybe donating some of the stuff that we've found over the years. Oh, that'd be that'd be amazing. I even if it's not donating, if you want me to just take a look at it, I can take sketches, I can take notes, uh, whatever. And I, I hand a couple, like a little small pile of extra pamphlets uh, to you. Just to play this out, roll a stealth check for me. I don't know if it me. Wait. Not dexterity. It would be like a. How would you guys roll this? It'd be like a. a I'm, she's trying to be discreet. How do you roll discretion? I don't know if this changes anything, but I was gonna say that as soon as Walker wasn't getting attention, he didn't like leave the group, but he he's easily distracted. Oh, so okay. He so kinda, he doesn't care at all. He's actually found anything. Uh, like a push broom in the corner by the entrance of the bar, and he's having a conversation with it like it's Thalen. He's like. <laughs> Doing both parts. And he's like, You're drunk. Yeah. Um, Wasn't this a fine party, Taylor? And he's like, What is your charisma? Like are you high party. charisma? I'm are medium you? charisma. <laughs> what's your What's your charisma modifier? Uh, plus two. Yeah, I think like for the most part, maybe not everyone, unless you want to actively roll for it. For the most part, you've built an audience here. Like <laughs> you start doing like a whole little thing between yeah. you and Thalen, and people are like, "Okay, there's like a puppet show happening. This is tight." Like they don't, they're fucking too drunk to know what's going on, and they're super into what you're doing. By the time their conversation ends, Thalen's like, "I'm like holding Thalen up above me and pretending to hold onto something," and I'm as Thalen yeah. like, "You were like a brother to me," and I was like, "Oh, Thalen." <laughs> <laughs> Someone has totally given you a flag and a veil. You've done this before it's yeah. like uh yeah it's way too easy um and at this time there's kind of like a hush that falls over the crowd and you hear a voice echoing out in the middle of the plaza and there are three members of a very monkish looking order they have cloths wrapped over their mouths and they're standing in the middle of the plaza and uh one of them reaches up and pulls down the cloth mask and says Greetings, Vesper. We come before you today with tidings of the future. And everyone like applauds and cheers. They're thrilled that there is like some sort of prophecy or some sort of news of what's coming. They put their hands up and it kind of dies down a little bit. We are pleased to report the future is bright. And they put the cloth back up and then the second member of the future takes their uh, little cloth over their mouth down and says, we ask of our community to continue on the path, building this city, stay the course, 
thousand points of light, just like bullshit political stuff, basically. <laughs> like they say a few more things, but none of it really means anything. And especially to all three of you, right? Like you, you might be looking at this and being like, they're not saying anything. It's just a bunch of BS. They're kind of like placating people and telling them like, you know, what they want to hear. And then they finish saying what they're saying. People clap and they put the cloth back up. And then the third member of this order takes their cloth down and speaks. Crossland, what do they say? They lead off with the oft-repeated phrase of the future connoisseurs, but we know, and shout that into the crowd again as, as this common refrain and some echo back, and continues to like stammer at the idea of speaking, and so like doesn't say much more than that outside of like maybe maybe like trying to get out like a we are wise, and then they nudge the one next to them, and just kind of asks, can we can we drink? Do we drink? <laughs> and that's enough to make people really fucking happy. They're like, great, no third wave, no bullshit. Like, we're good to keep drinking. This is awesome. And then as they turn to leave, the other one like winks at you. Like, obviously, like, yeah, we're going to fucking drink. Like, as soon as this is over, we're going to go drink. I nudge one of the other future members and I, I say, they know that this from above, this plaza isn't a square. It's more of a quadrangle. It's, it's a little bit, it's not... They say square. Did, did I call it a square? Earlier, yes. <laughs> Fuck you. That's great. Fucking calling me out. That's awesome. Okay. This quadrangle. Um, Damn. I know I got some note takers in the group. That's great. <laughs> As I stare, it's uh, it's a little bit off off center. Uh but but should I should I tell them the prophecy now or later? Is that a now is that a now thing? I'm asking one of the other future members, and I'm like, now? They kind of like shake their head. They're like, in a very future way, they kind of pull their cloth down, waiting for you to put yours up first as you ask a question. And they pull theirs down and say, Our prophecies are essential, but timing is everything. We we think you're correct with this. They say, pulling it down and putting it back up. Yeah, I think Walker at this point has found a piece of like scrap cloth like a bar towel or something and he's put it over his face and over the broom's face and he's having a conversation back and forth like where he pulls his down and he's like we must get another drink and then he puts it back up and he pulls the broom down and he goes we agree <laughs> all right like um what's your passive perception uh, the future Who's? crossland Oh, okay. Uh, uh, passive perception is 13. I'm not like trying to be a dick, but I am kind of also trying to, because from Walker's perspective, the Tritons were here. I mean, we haven't talked about ex exact timelines, but hundreds of years probably before you guys. And you're like, so self-important. <laughs> oh yeah. Living in our tunnels we made before the sea got a little lower. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The Tritons have been here for generations. Yeah. You might be standing in like a, a tunnel that was built by your ancestors. That's how I picture it, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. It is not commonplace for anyone to mock the future. So you doing this in a very open way would catch everyone's attention. As the future stops, they turn to look at this Triton who has dared to mock them and say, we are new around here, yes? And then puts their cloth back up. Well, I, I'm, I'm here sometimes. Well, I'm sorry. This was rude. And I put it back. You're very important. They pull theirs down and say, no, I thought it was really cool. Uh, um, uh, nope. 
<laughs> the other one like turns and pulls down their cloth and says, we would do well to remember our place. And they're talking to you, Miss Crossland. We would. <laughs> they turn back toward the Trident and say, and we would do well. And immediately they are pulled back as someone from the crowd literally climbs over the edge of the chasm with something in their mouth. And you can see it's a long sliver of glass. It's deep aquamarine. And they hold it out in their hands, but not like a blade, like they're about to cut the throat of the future. More like they're going to use it to do something else. Let's say they are holding the member of the future around the throat with the hand that is holding the glass. They feel kind of manic and intense and begin shouting, these people don't know who they say they are. There's magic in this world. They've lied to you. They've told you all that there's nothing out there. It's all lies, I tell you. It's all fucking lies. And the whole crowd goes crazy. And with the other hand, you see some sort of arcane power flare up. And they reach down to press it into the chest of one of the members of the future. Catacomb Party is Mathar DeLeon as the DM, PJ Heller as Leo Feldman, Leslie Ray as Ellen L. Valen, Joshua Ramsey as Walker Omron, and Crossland Shaw as F, also known as The Future. The show is a production of Atomic Pylon Media. Our intro theme was composed by Mathar, and the track you're hearing right now is called Glimmer by AGST. This episode was mixed by Jeremy Tuttle and was edited by Joshua Ramsey. The beautiful artwork you see on the cover was illustrated by Leslie Ray. A special shout out to all the folks who made it to our listening sesh on the Catacomb Party Discord earlier this week. If you happen to be looking for an online community and this sort of nerdy shit seems like your thing, you can find a link to that Discord in the show notes. You can support the show by following at Catacomb Party on Instagram and Twitter, and of course on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple, but you can't subscribe to our Patreon because we don't have it. Not on social media? Send your deepest, darkest secrets to team at catacombparty.com where they will be cherished for all of time. Stick around after the episode for part two of this adventure in which the gang comes to the rescue and quickly learns that their dice are not to be trusted. We're dropping new episodes every other week. So listen for parts three and four on Wednesday, June 22nd. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We love this stupid game and we love these silly characters, but to be honest, we're just thrilled you made it. Now get the hell out. Can I just say something? Because I thought of it right now and I'm going to make a note yeah. to but just so I said it out loud so other people can remember in case I forget by next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to snap that broom in half so I have two pointy sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's on the record. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> cool. Telephone party.